and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. We're talking about overcoming the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, so we finished up talking about the devil. I want to talk about the world, and then um, next week we'll talk about the flesh. Um, five years ago, I can remember uh, walking into our keeping room. We had this little room where our family always did life. I don't know if any of you have a room like that in your home. It's just like this is where the family kind of meets. And there were bigger spaces, but for whatever reason, we would always wind up here, like in in this space. And so my kids, even though they had rooms of their own, would play right there. Like it's, it's a small space, but they're playing right by your feet and that kind of thing. And we're watching college football. And my son at this time is like 9 or 10, Boston, my, my middle child and oldest son, um, was just, you know, playing right there in that area. We're watching football, and a commercial comes on. And it's for a fast food um, industry uh, that shall remain nameless because I don't want to advertise for it because of what I'm about to say. Um, out of this, there was a car, and on the car was a lady in a bikini Uh, eating a burger in a very sexual way. And uh, my nine-year-old son turns and looks at this. And he's there being exposed to something that he didn't ask for. Um, I didn't ask for. This is a regular station. Um, You know, just basic cable that type of thing, but yet this is here. And the advertiser knew what they were doing, like sexualizing their product. They knew what they were doing. Um, And so I'm trying to find the remote as fast as I can find it to try to change the channel. Uh, But of course, by the time you finally locate it in the middle of all the other stuff in the room, the commercial's over and life moves on. Um, My son turns around and sees that I am in the room, and when he sees me, I kid you not, out of his mouth, he said, I wish I wouldn't have seen that. And I said, buddy, I wish you wouldn't have either. Uh, What is that? The world. Um, Behind the world is a force that is evil. And he normalizes evil until it becomes the norm. If it's trending, he makes you believe it's true. And we have in our culture things that have been normalized that don't even move the needle of our hearts anymore because it's the world in which we live. Um, Especially things that are sexual in nature. Uh, which come from the enemy and are rooted in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. These are things that are very dangerous for the heart and and are linked with spirits behind them. And I I know we, like we said at the start of the series, you don't want to over-spiritualize things, but you also don't want to under-spiritualize it where you don't see that there is an enemy. Because if you don't see him, you won't resist him. Um, And I I wasn't, this was not the direction I was going in, but on the way here, I had this story come up in my heart. And so I'll I'll share it because it it fits in with these things, I suppose. Uh, But he does this with a lot, but the enemy has done this primarily with things of sexual nature. And behind all the sexual confusion and sexual perversion that is not just in our world, but has been in the world since the beginning of time, I mean, all the way back to Sodom and Gomorrah and before, Um, There's a spirit behind that, and it's to be taken seriously. Um, So a number of years ago, 
um, we were talking, me and my wife, and she made mention to me that there was this uh, kid who was a family member who was going to spend the night. And I immediately did not have peace about this. And it was just one of those kind of gut checks of like when, you know, maybe you've had this and some of you who have been around these things for a long time, you get what I'm saying. But if you're new, um, you know, sometimes like on the inside, you just know something's not right. And I just knew like it was a gut check, like something, my, my head was trying to make sense of it, but my, my heart just knew something's not right. And so I said that. I'm like, ah, I don't think that's a good idea. But it was one of those things where you feel the pressure. You know, you feel the pressure to make people happy. And then you also feel the pressure to be a witness and, you know, that kind of thing. And so we just overrode my heart. And that's always dangerous because your heart is telling you something for a reason. You want to learn to, to trust it. And, you know, I've said this many times, but I think it bears repeating as often as we can say it because I've heard preachers say both things of like, follow your heart. And then other preachers say like, following your heart's the worst idea. And which truth is it? Well, it's whatever the condition your heart is in. If your heart is sensitive and yielded to the spirit, follow your heart. If your heart is hardened and yielded to the flesh, don't. Because <laughs> like, it doesn't feel it. I'm so out of that, though. But when you're walking with the Lord and you're, you're prioritizing spiritual things, your heart is sensitive to him. And, and he bears witness with your spirit. And when you get that, you need to trust it because it's safe and it's trying to keep you from danger. So anyway, I overrode my heart and did what I always tell you not to do. I began to make an excuse um, instead of following it. Well, so they, this, this child comes over and he was, you know, probably seven or so years older than, than my son, my oldest son. And, you know, they're in the same room and they're spending the night and that kind of thing. And he's spending the night. And that night I go to bed and I have a dream. Now, God can speak to you through dreams. Sometimes, you know, it's just a dream, but other times God will speak to you. And there's just an extra level of, of vibrancy to it. And it always has some type of spiritual meaning that your heart will be able to discern. And somebody says, well, in the Old Testament, God dealt with people like Pharaoh, and he had a dream, but he didn't understand it. That's because his heart was not tied into Christ. Joseph, who could understand it, was someone who was tied into God. And so if you're a born-again child of God, you're tied into the Lord. Your heart will be able to decipher those things and bring clarity to it. If it brings confusion, Paul said in 1 Corinthians, it's not the Holy Spirit. He's the author of peace. Uh, so that's one of the things that you know about a spiritual dream. Even if, like in the case of uh, Pharaoh, that was not a good dream. He sees seven years, or what turns out to be seven years of famine. But God showed him in peace how to prepare for it. So in the middle of seeing chaos, the Lord in the dream showed him how to maintain peace. Because God is the author of peace. Does that make sense? And so out of that, um, uh, I, I have this dream and in the dream, I see this kid that we invited to spend the night with us. I see him on my son's iPad. And the way I knew it was my son's iPad is it had the cover around it. Then it was the same cover that we had bought him, like the blue one that protects it from breaking, you know, that kind of thing. If you've ever seen kids, like I saw a kid today at Nukes, church members. I saw like 18 mem church members in Nukes today. I like walked in. I'm like, hello, everyone. Let's have church all over again. Uh, so um, anyway... Uh, I, you know, I saw these kids with it and reminded me of this too. Uh, so, but I see him on this iPad, this kid that we had spend the night, and I see him go on it and pull up pornography. And then I see him hand it to my son. And um, naturally alarmed by that. In the dream, I was alarmed. Now, God cares about these things. And there's a reason why I'm sharing it. Why? I have no idea. This was not the message. Just have fun with it. And let the Holy Spirit just do his thing. Uh, so out of that, though, um, I see this. And then the Lord speaks to me about something else in the dream. Um, he had previously before, I was sitting in my office. This was before phase two. And I was looking at the plans for phase two. 
And the Lord spoke to me and said, stop trying to get people in the building to the church and take the church to the people. And I didn't do anything with that, even though he, he told me to. And in the dream, he told me that, but visually. I don't know how to explain it, but it was visually seeing there would be consequence if I did not do that. And later, based off of that, is what inspired us to buy all the cameras, which prepared us for COVID and campuses. And had we not bought them, we wouldn't have been ready for it. It's God knows what he's doing. Anyway, uh, so I, I woke up um, like 2 o'clock in the morning with this dream, just vivid vivid dream. And I knew it was the Lord. And so I immediately thought in my mind, okay, am I supposed to keep this from happening or has it already happened and I just needed to be aware of it? Well, the only way to find that out is to do what? Go get the iPad. Uh, And so I did. I went and got, got the iPad and I pull up Safari and I begin looking at all, you know, all the search history and that type of thing. And there's nothing there. I'm like, well, maybe I prevented it. And then I thought, hit the private button. And I hit the private button and Windows popped up. I thought, well, that's interesting. And then I backspace, backspace, backspace in the, the private button. I kid you not exactly what I saw in the dream. Now, I was able to take care of that with the family member. I was able to take care of that with um, my son, those types of things. And it played out exactly as I saw. But here's, here's my greater point. Is out of all the things God could show me in a dream, like a dream that vivid, and I'll ask this for your life, why that? Like out of all the things he could show me, of all the things, all the temptations, all the things that could come into my son's life, I, I know for my kids, God's got a call on them. He was talking to me about them the other day. I'm excited about it. Um, but out of that, why that? I wish I wouldn't have seen that. Nine couldn't have been older than nine. I wish I wouldn't have seen that. Just right out of his spirit. I wish I wouldn't have seen that. Why that? I'm telling you, there are things of this world that we do not understand we are fellowshipping with. And it's a spiritual darkness that is designed to to block, harden, and jade the heart. And to keep it from seeing what is God's will. And hearing what God is trying to say in a season. And it's got to be discerned because the world is normalizing Satan's lie. We said, if you see Satan and you really saw him, you would see what he is after is not scaring you in the dark with the exorcism. He is behind every influence in the world trying to make you believe his lie is the truth. Uh, Let's look at some scriptures that we already looked at where you can see that this is not just something I'm making up. Uh, Luke 4, Luke 4, and let's look here in verse number 5 through 8. Luke 4, Jesus here is being tempted and Satan is here doing the tempting. Uh, But watch this in verse 5, and he, he being Satan, led him, him being Jesus, up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. So every nation, every country, every tribe, creed of the world, he shows them. It must have been in a vision. He shows them all. And the devil said unto him, I will give you all of this, the domain of it and its glory. Uh, you could say the power of it, the influence of it. For it has been handed over to me. Now watch this. And I give it to whomever I wish. So he's telling Jesus, the influence of the world belongs to me. It was handed over to me. When? When he got Eve to believe his lie. Now remember, this has always been Satan's MO. Is he wants to tell you that God's truth is a lie. And he wants to tell you that his lie is now the truth. That God said, don't eat this apple, it's bad for you. 
he's like, that's a lie. Actually, God is trying to keep you from something, and if you eat it, it'll be good for you. And his lie, get this in your heart, his lie became Eve's truth. And as soon as they partook of that and walked in his truth versus God's truth, they lost their influence on the planet. And who got it? Satan did. And at this moment, Satan is now able to propagate his lie. The kingdoms of the world and the glory and the dominion of them, he's behind it. And he's literally saying, I put people in power. Well, why do you put people in power? They do what I want them to do. So the culture they they put in the, the planet, the culture that they put in the government, the culture that they put in the nation, the culture that they put in the music, the culture that they put in the, the television show, the culture that they put in, name it, is not the culture of them, it's the culture of him. And somebody says, well, no, they, they, don't, they don't know. They have no idea that what they're putting out is not of them. They honestly believe they're right. And how do we know that? Well, based off the other scripture we read, go over to the book of John. I can give it to whomever I want. What about people who work for a church and a temple? I can give it to whomever I want. He says, whoever will yield to me. And we said this before. Now you have people flat out showing you where their influence is coming from. And people are like, it's not that bad. Um, and making fun of it. And he's literally showing you where he's at. John chapter 8, watch this in verse number 44. We've been looking at this. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Uh, So these are people who are running the temples. And and watch what he says here. He says, you are of your father the devil. Uh Uh-oh. Talking to religious leaders. You are of your father the devil. Watch this, watch this. And you want to do the desires of who? Your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks it from his own nature for he is a liar and the father of lies. But what I want you to see is you want to do the desires of your father. Now, if you had asked up to this point, the Pharisees, are you doing the will of Satan? Their answer would have been a flat no. They have no idea they're under the influence. Genuinely, no idea. Why? Because he's good at his job. He's not smart because anybody who thinks they can take on God and win is clearly a nugget short of a, a Happy Meal. Like, it's, it's a problem. But he is experienced. He's been doing this for a long time. And so what he does is he works subtly in your life to control your ideology, your politics, your way of thinking, anything else he control, I guess you could put it this way, your belief system, to make you begin doing things in your life that impact culture. Now here what they're doing is they're controlling the culture of the temple. And literally what they had done is they had made it hard for people to approach God. Do you remember when Jesus comes in and they're, they're selling all the, the doves and the animals and all these things for sacrifice? And he's like, you've made this a den of thieves. And he breaks out a whip. I would love to see Jesus like with the whip, like just, just flipping over tables. Like I, I can't wait to watch that clip in heaven. But he does that. And he's like, you've made this a den of thieves. Any of you remember that? Do you remember what that, that's not because they were selling coffee in the foyer. Like I've, I've heard preachers literally get up and say that. I'm like, could we please go to Bible school? Please could we go to Bible school? This has nothing to do with church merch. This has nothing to do with like a latte. What this is, is they are selling animals for sacrifice and they have jacked up the price of the sacrificial animals, making it hard for people to approach God so that they could make a profit. Because for them, in order to get forgiveness, you had to offer a sacrifice, and so it's mandatory. And when you got something mandatory that you control the price of, what can you do? You can price gouge. 
And no one's there to tell you no, except Jesus on this day with a whip. And Jesus is like, you will not make it hard for people to approach God. You've got to make this easy. And that was his point. It's like, one day I'm tearing this whole thing down. And in three days, we're going to raise it back up. And he wasn't talking about that temple. He's talking about his body. Now, how did it get that bad? You were of your father who? And the things that you were implementing in this culture, they're actually his desires. And somebody says, well, that's not the case in everything. Eh, Scripture would argue with you. That out of this, it wasn't just a Pharisee thing. It wasn't just people who were like in charge of the temple in that day. He's literally called, Satan is, the God of the world. We're talking about the world, the flesh, and the devil. He's literally called the God of this world. Jesus in John chapter 16 said, there's coming a day where I'm going to kick the God of this world out of the world. Um, in Revelations, it literally tells us that he's going to take Satan and throw him in a lake of fire. Why? Because he deceived who? The whole world. Uh, go over to Ephesians. You'll, you'll see this here. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1 through 3. Ephesians 2. Wonderful passage of scripture here. Brings a lot of clarity. One of the things that I would encourage you to do is to read the epistles. And somebody says, what do you mean by the epistles? Um, You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That shows you Jesus. You have the book of Acts. But then you have letters that are written to the churches, like Philippians, that's written to the church at Philippi. Ephesians, that's written to the church at Ephesus. And the reason why the epistles are so important is it's the Holy Spirit writing to the church doctrine. And, and it's so critical that you understand these things. And Ephesians is a wonderful place to start. But watch this, Ephesians 2 and verse number 1. And you, he's talking about us who are Christians, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Okay, we're dead in trespasses and sins. Go on. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. So he's saying, before you were a Christian, there was a course that the world was on, and you walked according to it. You watched what they watched. You, you went where they went. You treated people the way they treated people. Uh, you stole like they stole. Um, you, you had, I, I had a guy come in my office one time, and, and he was talking about, and I don't know why we keep coming back to this, but here we are. Um, he was talking about how growing up, his father told him, Um, that when you go to college and late in high school, uh, to get it out of your system. And that was the culture of the world. Now, where did that thought come from? Get it out of your system. And he's sitting in my office crying, and he said, Pastor Joel, I didn't get it out of my system. You know what he told me? I never forgot this. You know what he told me? He said, I put it into my system. So, okay, the course of this world. Well, that sounds like, sow your wild oats. Boys will be boys. You know, all of these kinds of topics and these kinds of things. Sin, sin normalized is his goal. Is that the world takes the lie and normalizes it until it's the whole world's truth. Um, and so out of this, he's saying, you walked according to the course of this world. And people are like, well, yeah, that's, that's true. You know, I, I did what they did, watched what they watched, went where they went, all those kinds of things. But watch where that course of the world came from. Watch what he says here. And which you formerly walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Who's he talking about there? Satan. So who is behind the course of the world? Satan is. Um, You're doing your desires. Yes, we are. Your desires are of the devil. No, they're not. (laughs) You were of your father, the devil. You walked according to the course of the world. And people are like, well, yeah. Well, where did the world get its course? The prince of the power of the air. Watch this. The spirit that is now, right now, working in the sons of disobedience. So here you see people out there living life and people are like, like, think about the normalization of so many things that we see in our culture now, whether it's racism or whether it's um, murder, abuse, adultery, 
uh, pornography. The list goes on. How did it get there? It's not that people are innately terrible. There is a spirit at work in the earth that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Which, side note, is why it is critical if you are a son or a daughter of God, you are praying for those who are not walking with the Lord, that the, eye, that the eyes of their understanding are enlightened and they see the hope of their calling and they turn and repent away from that course of the world and renounce it as evil and come unto God. Because it's not just them. It's not just people being bad. It's not just... Have you ever noticed that some of these things come in cycles? It's like you'll go through and you'll hear nothing of it. And then there's a rush of it. And it's like, how could that many people go crazy at one time? It's not. It's a spirit. That is now at work in the spirit. Watch when things pop off. They pop off in spurts. Why? There's a spirit at work. Because it's not just people walking, let's read verse 2 again, in which you, me and you, formally walked according to the course of this world. And we're like, that's true. But where did the course of this world come from? According to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the people of disobedience, among them we too all formerly lived, watch this, in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Oh, but, verse 4, but God being rich in his mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. Now, here's what what Satan is doing, and I'll begin closing with this. He takes the lie and attacks God's truth. Now, I want you to think about this in every arena of life. Uh, Money and possessions. What does the world believe? Um, and it doesn't match up with what God says. There was a, a kid who comes to Jesus and he's like, make, make my brother divide the inheritance with me. G- make him give me money now. Like money now, I want it now. And Jesus says, who am I to judge between you? And then he tells a story. He says, a man's life does not consist of the abundance of things which he possesses. A man's ground brought forth plentifully. And he said, what shall I do? He said, ah, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down all my stuff and just get nicer, bigger, better stuff. And then I'll sit with it and just say my soul has been good and it can be at rest. I can eat and drink and have plenty. And then he dies. And he has to stand before God and give an account for his life. And he was not rich towards God. And Jesus' point was... Don't think that possessions will make you happy. Don't live for them and don't constantly feel the need to upgrade. And what does the world sell you on possessions? The iPhone 15 is going to be so much better than the 14. You got to get it now. Like now, 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 now. It's titanium, people. Titanium. It constantly pitches and sells the next thing. Consumerism is all throughout our culture. And then it infiltrates the church. And now we, we will listen to people based off the status of what they wear. And I, I don't mean that to bash any preacher. I'm just saying, where did the ideology of that come from? Did it come from Jesus? Did it come from what Paul wrote to the church? Did it come through what Paul wrote to Timothy? Um, think about abstinence. What is the world's view on that compared to God's marriage, children, a baby? Um... Worry. What is God's view on that? Tithing. (laughs) What's the world's view on that compared to God's? Church attendance. Forgiveness. Turning the other cheek. Not suing. You go down the line of like what God teaches and what Satan will do is do whatever he can to say what God said is a lie. And then he'll get the world to say his lie is the truth so much that now if you don't celebrate the world's truth, you are condemned. So he finds God's truth and he makes you believe it is a lie. 
and it's not necessary anymore, and it's old-fashioned, and it's old-school, and it's legalism, or whatever he can do to, to label it, to make you think, it's not something I have to do. And here's the thing about God. He's not trying to keep fun from you. God's not the fun police. God is trying to show you a way to a flourishing life, a, a, a life of love, joy, and peace. And he knows the way to it. And his truth sets you free. But Satan knows if you get his truth, you will be free. So he propagates the lie all the more. So what do we do in the face of that? Number one, if my life is not counterculture to the world, something is wrong. And I don't mean that to cause shame in me or you or anyone else. I mean that just to quote Jesus. If my life is not counterculture to the world, something is wrong. Watch what Jesus said in John 15. John 15 and verse number 18. And they'll put it up behind me as well. Jesus said this in John 15 and 18. Are we okay tonight? We good? Okay. John 15 and 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you to come out of the world, because of this, the world will hate you. Remember that the word said, and and I said unto you, a slave will not be greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all of these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they don't know the one who sent me. Um, It keeps going. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now that they have no excuse for their sin, he who hates me hates my father also. He says here that if you are my disciple, they'll come to a place where your life runs counterculture to the world. That sounds very similar to to what we talked about, and since we talked about it, I'll refer refer from turning there, but in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, do not be what? Conformed to what? This world. Um, One translation, I think it's the Amplified or maybe it's the Message, but it says do not be patterned after this world's mold. One translation said don't be squeezed into it. That the world has a mold. Well, where did we read that mold came from? came from the, the enemy. It came from Satan. And it came from the prince of the power of the air. And so I am not to be conformed to this world. And so basically, like you can follow the rule of thumb, if the world really likes this, that's probably a sign that I should not. And I don't mean to make that like, um, you know, once again, legalism. I think that's a term, though, that gets thrown around a lot uh, and is a lie to try to keep us away from holiness. Uh, but anyway, um, if we could just live by 1 Corinthians chapter 6, that my body is what? The temple of the Holy Spirit. Think about that. What would the world say your body is? It's my body. I can do whatever I want to with it. And scripture teaches us, no, actually, you've been bought with a price. Your body's not your own. Glorify God in your body, for your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Like that one truth, if you became aware of it, would limit a lot of things that you could watch. (laughs) I'm watching this with Jesus right now. Does this grieve him? I'm saying this with Jesus right now. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Does this grieve him? I'm listening to this with Jesus right now. Does this wound him? For fun the other day, uh, yesterday, I pulled up the top five most popular songs in America right now. And I didn't listen to them. I just looked at the lyrics. I cried. Seriously. The way it it talked about women and how we're okay with it as a culture. The way it talked about alcohol and drugs. 
Broad is the way, Jesus said, that leads to destruction, and many are there that are on it. Narrow is the path of life. And if my life is not running counterculture to the world, something needs to be modified in my life. This is the whole point of water baptism. It's your pledge of allegiance. Water baptism is your pledge of allegiance. It is saying, my body is now washed in Jesus. And I'm buried in his baptism. And I'm taking up my cross daily. And I'm coming up new with the world washed off of me. Literally, we read it today in Acts. The first commandment was repent and turn from a perverse generation. Like there are things that even a heathen would look at in those lyrics that I read yesterday and be like, that's perverse. Like there's nothing about that that is good. But it's, it's propagated with, of course, um, um, the packaging that like you would get a dog to take a pill it didn't want to take. You wrap it in something it does want to eat. So it's wrapped in a beat and it's wrapped in, in language that is palatable. But in the end of it, if it gets in your value system, destroys a marriage, destroys discipline, destroys a life, destroys a heart. So my life has to come to a place where I'm not patterned after the world. That I understand the world, the where, where it got its ideas, is the enemy of God. That like what is being propagated is not from just people. It is a spirit that is working in the sons of disobedience to produce a culture in the world. The second thing that I need to do is I need to renew my mind to the word. If I don't, I'll believe the lie. I need to renew my mind to the word. If I don't, I be- I'll believe the lie. Do you remember we read this two weeks ago in Mark 4? As soon as the sower sows the word, what does the enemy do? Immediately he comes for it. Meaning, the word of God in your life is your most important arsenal against the devil. This is why we read our scripture. Uh, this is why we're in the epistles. This is why we don't just allow preachers to preach to us. We study the word of God to see if the things that they are telling us are truth. Um, We don't just have our doctrine based off of the guy who came in and made me laugh while he talked. We have our doctrine based off of scripture, chapter and verse. We're in it. We we know it. We can decipher it. We can discern it when it's not right. It's like, wait a minute. And we, we, we know like that's not right because we're in scripture. Um, that we, we study to show ourselves approved. Watch what Jesus said here in John 17. You're, you're right next door, so let's go look at it in verse 14. John 17 and verse 14. I have given them, watch this, I have given them your word. And watch what happened when I gave it to them. And the world has hated them. Why? Because his truth confronts the world's lie. And when his truth confronts the, world, the world's life, they will hate you for it. And watch what he says. I gave them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them, notice, to keep them from what? The evil one. Who's in the world? The evil one. And so when I am in and involved in the things of the world, it's not just, I want you to get this, it's not just people, places, music, entertainment, all those things I'm around. It's the evil one who's behind those things that honestly, most of these people are good people. They have no idea they're yielding to it. Just like the Pharisees are just like you didn't. It's like when you were in your sin, there was no thought of like, I'm being controlled by a spirit. Uh, I'm being influenced by Satan. Like there was no thought of that. And they don't have that thought either. But now that we've come out of the kingdom, this is why we don't judge people. We pray for people. Amen. Like we pray for these people that they come to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness and high places. But out of this, what he's saying is, is they are not of the world. Uh, the evil one is controlling the system. Keep them from the evil one. Verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them how? In the truth, what is the truth? Your word is truth. 
And so the word of God must be a priority in my life. Like I want to get back to the place where like we hang it in our house and like, like make it art. And I love now how this generation's like putting it on t-shirts and like all of these things of we need to make much of the word. We need to read it. We need to pray it. We need to study it. We need to get in small groups and talk about it. We need to sit down with our kids and explain it. We need to sit down as husband and wife and ask what we're getting out of it. Like the word is so important. Why? Because the word will show you the lie. And when the world tries to sell you the lie, the word of God will show it to you. It's like, wait a minute. God didn't say that. And instead of being like Eve and being like, mm, this tastes good. Oh, no, we're naked and ashamed. Like, instead of having this moment, it's like, wait a minute, that's a lie. How do you know it's a lie? Because God has told me it's truth. And so I'm not going to sit here and to have you tell me the lie. I've talked to God. I know his word. I make much of the word. But here Jesus also said something, and this is important, as I, I truly do close now. Watch what he says. Verse 15, I do not ask you to take them out of the world. I do not ask you, Father, to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. Now, here's what Christianity has done. They have done the complete opposite of this. Literally, the mandate of Christ is go into the world. But what a lot of people did when they come across these truths, because a lot of people throughout history have come across these truths. This is not a new revelation. This is a very old revelation that hopefully becomes new all over again. Um, That when they caught hold of like the world and it's actually being patterned by the evil one, what they do is like, we got to get out of here. Let's build a monastery. Let's build a commune. Like let's, and I've had that thought before of like, let's buy a whole bunch of land and just, you know, build a neighborhood where only Christians are. Like that kind of thing of like, come to a place of like, let's just make it all Christian. And, and that's the easiest thing to do, right? Is that the world is evil. And that it's bad, and it's run by Satan, and so let's escape it. And Jesus is like, no. I want you to be a city on a hill. I want you to be the salt of the earth. I want you to be the light of what? The light of what? The light of the world. I want you to come into a place where your life is so strikingly different that the world has to take notice. I want them to see your good works and be moved towards God. Um, This is big for me as a parent because I've got kids who write smack dab in the middle of this world. And I do believe they're world changers. Like, I believe that. And so, like, how to navigate all these things, I'm like, God, you got to give me wisdom. So, like, there's this thing called homecoming, right? Like... It's one of those things. And my parents were like, you're not going. Dancing is bad and like could lead to other things. And so all of those types of things. So it was, you know, keep them out of the world. Um, I really have had that conviction challenged by the Lord and scripture uh, when I saw that the disciples were teenagers. And they were, you can, if you doubt that, Google when you leave, not now, when you leave, how old were the disciples of Jesus? They say most of them were anywhere between 13 and 19, with the oldest probably being Peter, which is why he was always kind of singled out. He was older than the rest. And one of the things I saw Jesus with his teenagers was, is he was not scared to send them into the world. He rendered them able, not safe. Because it's better to be strong than it is to be inexperienced. And so out of this, I want to train my kids. I want to train them for the world. And so I say yes whenever it's possible. So they're like homecoming. I'm like, eh, if we like the person. And then it's like homecoming parties. Uh, homecoming buses. Party buses. All these kinds of things. Now, the logic of the party bus is this, somebody says, yes, that's all, we should rent one after a Fondren service. We should get a bus, get on it and have a Holy Ghost party. Uh, But out of this, the logic, the logic of this is it keeps kids in a controlled environment with people on it to make sure that it stays safe. I'm like, okay. So I'm praying about it. I'm like, yes. And so my son, I'll use him as an example because he's been the example all tonight. 
My son gets on the bus, and of course, the next day, we're talking to him about his homecoming experience. This was his first one, and all of those types of things. And I'm like, did you like it? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, great. Could you explain? Yeah? Because he's a man. Uh, And so out of that, my daughter will like sit there for hours with my wife. My son was like, it's fine. Uh, You know, I'm like, you got to give the ladies more. And in this case, son, you got to give me more. Uh, So um, he said, everything but the bus. And I'm like, okay, well, what happened on the bus? He said, everybody uh, was able to pick a song. And he said, I just couldn't believe some of the things that were played. And I'm like, okay, well, that's very observant. I said, well, it's good for you to see. Like, there's some things that don't match the values of your heart. And my my, my son, one of the things I've always tried to coach him in, and be the same thing I do you, like, you never want to be a Pharisee. Like, we're here not to judge the world. We're here to, to love it to life. And if you judge it, you're not praying for it. Because you can't judge something and pray for it at the same time. Um, And so out of that, like, I always want to train him to be sensitive to um, this and to be a leader and not a loner, but to lead. Because if I could go back and do anything in my high school, it would be to lead for Christ. I didn't. And so out of that, I'm like, well, that's good that you'd notice that. I said, we always want to keep a tender heart and to understand. Because I've trained my kids of like, listen to the lyrics. Listen to the lyrics. Judge it based off of that. Um, And anyway, so I I said, well, what did you do? He said, well, it got my, my turn. And I'm like, okay, well, what did you pick? And he said, I pick my God as an awesome God. <laughs> the Hillsong one. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm like, well, what did you do? He's like, I got up and I got him hype about it. Because uh, all these kids, you know, call themselves Christian and that type of thing. And so they knew the song. And he's like, I got him hype about it. I'm like, there you go. Yes, sir. This is Jesus's point. This is Jesus's point. It is not being some recluse. It is not being some person who has no personality or fun. (laughs) It is not being somebody who's restrained from the world and has built walls and now just, you know, walks around with a cross all day counting beads. It is being in the world, but not of it. It is being as unashamed about Jesus as the world is about their artists. It is being as unashamed about the word of God as the world is about its movie. It's being unashamed about what you believe as the world is about what it believes. And in the middle of that, it's leading a personal revival through the love of God that is in your heart. You are the salt of the world. It is seeing a coworker who is struggling and asking them if they need prayer. It is visiting someone who is destitute and homeless that the world absolutely pays no attention to, but you as a Christ follower sees. It is visiting the, the widow and the orphan in the day of their affliction. It is feeding the hungry. It is having a heart for the destitute. It is loving people that the world is called unlovable. It is, it's making hospital visitations. It's looking people in the eye and, and telling them that you're, you're glad that they're there and mean it. It's the kingdom of God working through you to tear down Satan's lie in the world that is there. And it is not just the world is bad, I'm on the narrow path, I'm suffering for Jesus. It is I'm on the narrow path I'm on it with a community of believers who are on it too. I'm in love with Jesus and I know his word and I'm unashamed to go into the world with a deep, passionate love for Jesus to show them he is life. Because our God truly is an awesome God. Amen. Ascend our feet, church. Let's worship the Lord. Father, we love you tonight. Let us be people, Father, who are yielded to you and your spirit. 
Let us be people who are unintimidated by the world and the flesh. Let us not love the world, but let us love the people who are in it. Give us eyes to see the enemy that we may walk away from his path. But give us eyes to see the people of the world that we may invade them with the person of your spirit. Father, we love you. Just hear my heart. Come away with me. Come away with me and you will see a way of life that is more beautiful than anything you've seen up to this point. Come away with me. Walk away from the things of the world and walk towards the light. Come away with me. And I'll open your eyes and I'll give you a clean heart and a fresh outlook on life. Come away with me, and you will find the path that leads to life. Come away with me, and you will see. Thank you. Father, I don't want it if you're not in it. I want to come away with you, Lord Jesus. I want to draw near to you, Lord Jesus. I don't want the world. I don't want the things in the world. You can have all of that, Father. I want to come away with you. I don't want the world. I don't want the things of the world. I want to come away with you, Lord Jesus. Let's just sing a song of consecration tonight. I'll let you all pick it, but just something that just consecrates ourselves to the Lord Jesus. Jesus.